Hey, everybody. You know, Mark and I have over 20 years of experience as therapists and as addicts in long-term successful recovery. We know better than anyone what works and what doesn't to break out of porn and sex addiction, heal betrayal trauma, and reclaim your relationship. And we've poured all of our personal and professional recovery and healing experience into a first-of-its-kind program for addicts, spouses, and couples. We call it Dare to Connect. At least four times every week, we engage with you in real time, in the trenches, giving you the knowledge and the tools to take back your life and relationship. Whatever else you've done on your journey for healing and recovery, you've never done anything like this. You know, Mark and I, we've made all the mistakes, so you don't have to. Don't reinvent the wheel. We all know tomorrow never comes. Look, don't wait one more day to change. Claim your free two-week trial today at daretoconnectnow.com. Hey, everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. Hey, everybody. It's uh, Steve and Mark here. Uh, it's good to be with you guys today on this uh, fine, I guess it's Monday. You guys won't get this till Tuesday uh, afternoon. Uh, wanted to continue our podcast topic from last week. Uh, and we'd recommend that you go back and listen to that first uh, podcast uh, before you listen to this one. Uh, last week, we covered kind of an overview of surrender, went through Mark's process that he uses in his clinic for that. I went through through mine and they're pretty similar. Um, and today we're going we're gonna to basically just walk you through that process that we covered in depth last week uh, through three different scenarios today, uh, one for addicts, one for spouses, and then dealing with some of the difficult world challenges that we're all, all facing on a, on a global level right now. Uh, so we're going to use these processes, like I said, to walk you through those. Um, and that'll be basically the substance of the podcast. So if it's going to make sense, um, you're going to want to listen to that episode 12 uh, first. Uh, and I believe it was called, let's see, Mark, uh, how to practice the art of surrender in a scary world or something along those lines. That was it. Okay, <clears throat> perfect. And we're going to try to keep this podcast 30 minutes or less, which is very difficult for us. Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> and so if we're pushing this along, going at a really quick <clears throat> pace, you'll know that's why we're doing it. Because come, you know, death or whatever comes next, we are going to finish this in 30 minutes or less. Yes. So forgive us if there's some auctioneer-esque speed to, uh, to today. So we can, uh, who needs a surrender? I got a surrender. Who needs a surrender? <laughs> do that today. All right. So uh, let's, uh, we'll, we'll go and kick it off. So just a quick recap on last week. The process that we're going to be walking through this week is that kind of four-step process that I uh, use in my clinic with my clients. Uh, and if you recall, there were four of them. Uh, it was, uh, first one's recognition, second one's acknowledgement, third is surrender, and the four is, is replacement. 
when we're, anytime you're going to be going through and doing a surrender, it's important to take the first two steps. If you notice in that process, the actual surrender itself isn't until number three. And the big reason for that is oftentimes I will have clients and, and even myself, I've made the mistake many times of trying to surrender or give something away to my higher power that I don't want to get rid of. Um, I, I'm trying to kind of force it. And, and in my experience, those, those uh, triggers or those issues or those whatever that come up that I need to get rid of tend to be kind of like boomerang triggers. They just kind of go, I'll give them away for a little bit and then I want to hang on to them. And so going through those first couple of steps is what puts us in a place to surrender. And then we'll uh, walk you through what, how to replace that with something uh, different. So uh, first scenario that we're going to talk about is I'm going to use a real world scenario. Mark and I are both going to use one. Uh, from our addiction days. So everybody put on your vulnerability hats because we're going to be kind of jumping into the crazy world of of Mark and Steve's old brains. So um, the scenario that I decided to pick, and I sadly have many to choose from, happened probably three, maybe four years ago in recovery. I can't remember exactly how long ago. Um, I was uh, actually at the grocery store and I was in the checkout line. And there was an attractive woman who was checking out groceries and, and everything. And she was just really friendly, far more than, than, than the typical. was asking lots of questions about what was going on with me and my life, what I did. And anyway, just uh, was a very, it, it was a nice, nice interaction. And I'm not sure why my brain was in this headspace that day. I can't remember. It's been some time. But for whatever reason, my brain instantly just found itself wanting to go to lust and objectification and interpreting, you know, that friendliness or that kindness as, oh, she must be flirting with me. And you know, then, then your brain really quick, as, as we've talked about on here before, can go really quick down that fantasy rabbit hole. And I found that process starting to happen for me, which isn't terribly common these days and wasn't common then either. Um, and that's the reason why it sticks out in my mind. And so I'm going to kind of walk you through what I did in order to get myself in a good headspace, because it didn't take more than a couple of minutes before I just found myself really starting to struggle with, with being focused on other positive things. So uh, I had to actually walk myself through uh, this recognition process. Now, recognition sounds, sounds self-explanatory, but how that basically looked is I, I've got it, I had to vocalize to myself. In fact, I think I went and wrote it down, which we're going to talk about different ways you can do this at the end of the podcast today, but I wrote it down and I basically said, uh, you know, for the recognition piece, oh, how would I say this? I, I, I need to own the fact that I am an addict and that I am in recovery, but that I am, I am vulnerable to triggers when they come up, and that this thing is something that I need to get rid of. Again, sounds kind of self-explanatory, but that vocalizing can be a really important part of the process. Then I had to move immediately into acknowledgement, and I had to say, you know, which to me is, is, is what I call playing the tape forward. So I had to move from recognition into the fact that I know that if I keep hanging on to this trigger, right, if I keep uh, allowing to give it space in my mind, if I keep entertaining it as a way to escape, uh, it's only going to escalate. And at some point, could re could lead to a relapse or some form of acting out, but at, a, at the very least is going to completely disconnect me from myself, from my higher power, from the people around me. And so I had to walk myself through that process and play that tape forward that, you know, if I continue on down this road, because I've done it a million times before, uh, this is what's going to happen. And then I moved into the actual surrender piece, which is where I'm giving over that, that stuff to my higher power. So how that, that basically looks is God, I, you know, I, I can't handle uh, this trigger, this temptation alone. I know that from years of experience, 
Um, but I know that you have the power to help me with it. And that even though I am weak in this area all on my own, that you're strong enough to take it. So I want to give this trigger away to you because I cannot afford to have this in my life because of the consequences it'll bring. So let me give this to you and please take this from me. And then I moved into the the replacement piece, which which looks like essentially, and help help me, God, to see this woman, not just as not as the way that my brain is trying to see her right now, but help me to see her the way that you see her. Help me to see her as someone with equal standing, with equal value to myself, somebody with worth and hopes and dreams and and somebody who's not deserving, uh, you know, a daughter of God, if you will, who is not deserving of those uh, those kinds of thoughts. And, and frankly, that, that I'm not deserving of, of them either because it degrades both of us. And so crack the window a little bit and uh, on your view about how, how you see her and help me to help me to adopt that and to see her in that light so that I, I can remove that objectification. So that's, sorry, that was kind of me going through not too fluidic, but just giving a quick recap with those. These others will probably be more fluidic, fluidic as we go on. Um, Mark's going to kind of walk through the same process with an example uh, from from his life, and I think that'll probably be a little bit a uh, little bit more coherent without having to make those pauses. <laughs> yeah. So as I think about this process with regard to my my past experience, uh, one of the things that I've had to make a part of my recovery, very much uh, a part of it, is we talk about this recognition piece. I like to call that recognition piece mindfulness. Mm, right. Instead okay. of just being caught up in your brain, uh, you know, that little computer and having it run the show, getting to the place where you can become more aware yep. of thoughts and tendencies and, you know, habits that you have that you can easily fall into. And so one of the one of the challenges I've had over my lifetime because of the way I was raised is that I, ha- I have always had a, a real problem with confrontation. So if, you, if you're in a conversation and it becomes argumentative and then it becomes, you know, s- screaming and yelling and, and there's just a great deal of tension, my tendency, you know, in, in my life has been to run away, right? Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. not doing this. I don't want to have anything to do with this. I'm, I'm, I'm done. And to just turn and walk away. Yeah. And if, I, if I'm in it, you know, in my heavy addiction years, if I was in a confrontation, I was very vulnerable afterward to go and act out in my addiction mm-hmm. yeah. because it was so traumatic because it called up so many memories from when I was a kid that I would want to go soothe it afterwards. So what I, what I learned to do, and this will be an interesting um, concept for the people listening, I actually like to practice what I call pre-surrender. So if you know that you're going into a vulnerable situation where for me, for example, things get confrontational. So let's say that I know I'm going over to visit my (laughs) in-laws and I know that uh, there's a good chance that maybe that could get a little bit confrontational, maybe some conflict and I'm going to be vulnerable as a result. Yeah. You know, like you, you you get, go to the in-laws or some conflict develops and then you, Excuse yourself like you got to go to the bathroom. And then what are you mm. doing in the bathroom? You're looking at porn on your phone because sure. the sure. situation was so traumatic. Yeah. Wanting to and escape. So, yeah. So knowing that you're going to go into that situation, you pre-surrender. You're like, okay, you know mm. what? I could be vulnerable going into this situation. I yeah. know the feelings yeah. that will probably come to me. And if they do, here's what I'm going to do. And you walk yourself through the scenario in your mind before you experience it. We call that pre-surrender. 
So that's just a little tidbit that um, absolutely that I've used really successfully and, and with my clients. So I, I recall a, uh, an experience um, probably, probably about a year ago where there was a really confrontational situation that I was faced with, uh, with family. And I knew from my past that it was, I was going to be vulnerable. Even in well-advanced recovery, you still have vulnerability to your brain running back to old ways to self-soothe and medicate. So in that scenario, I could feel the tension, <clears throat> right? The cortisol, the adrenaline yeah. rising within me mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of stepping back from my brain and going, oh man, here it comes. And so there's the recognition and then acknowledging if I let this continue, if I just let this anger and this discomfort keep going, I'm going to be in a bad spot. Absolutely. And so getting to that place of recognition or mindfulness, right? I'm, I'm kind of watching my thoughts now, watching my feelings, observing them. And then the surrender process, you know, God, there's a part of my brain that wants to just run and hide from this and go medicate. But I'm going to give that option away. I'm giving mm, that, yeah. doing it my way, my brain's way. I'm giving that to you in this moment. That's off the table. Here you go. So now I'm just pausing and I'm sitting there with no solution. Mm. The discomfort's still there. The feelings are still there. But what am I going to do? What am I going to do with this? And that's where in my process, you call it replacement. I then ask yeah. my higher power. God say, okay, that's off the table, God. What do I need in this moment? What would help me most? And in my experience, something will nearly always something will come to me. And then that experience, you know, about a year ago, something came to me that I that I could interject into that conversation that actually calmed things down. Yeah, everybody kind of got peaceful. And they're like, Oh, yeah, I don't know, I think it was something humorous that I was able to say, which was unusual for me to go to that place of being calm and humorous when I'm freaking out inside because conflict is there. So it's a great yeah. example of, of our higher power of God stepping in and giving us something that we couldn't think of on our own. But I could never have had that occur to me had I not first surrendered my way, my old way, right? The way of running to medicate or soothe. So yeah. that's, that's kind of my example of how that works with surrender in the moment. Hey everybody, Mark and Steve here. Are you looking to take your recovery and your marriage to the next level? We work with individuals and couples one-on-one. -on -one. With both in-person and online therapy options, you have access to the experts anytime, anywhere. To learn more, visit us at pbsepodcast.com. No, I love that. I love that. And I, and I like that addition to the end. I mean, there's, as you guys can tell, for the, the, so there are a lot of commonalities between the way Mark and I do it. In many ways, they're actually identical. Um, but one of the most important pieces with, with surrender, if you're talking 12-step language, is you have to be able to work a good step one. And what we mean by that is there has to be that acknowledgement that this is something that is completely out of my control to fix or change. Um, that if I'm left to my own devices with this thing, it's, I'm not going to be able to, to, uh, 
overcome it or let it go or show up or, you know, whatever the scenario is calling for. Um, I'm not going to be able to be authentic without, uh, without that additional help. So I, I need that help. And, and then there needs to be that openness. I love how, how you put that Mark, that there needs to be an openness to, you know, what will be, uh, what will be given. Maybe I'm too demanding in my surrenders. I don't know. <laughs> but but uh, I think I think both can be really, really helpful. Okay. So we'll kind of keep these more fluidic now that you have an idea of, of uh, how Mark and I go through this. So the, the next one we're going to cover is, uh, is the life of a spouse. And as we've talked about before, uh, Mark and I are obviously not you dear spouses who are struggling with a partner who's, who's struggling with an addiction, an active addiction. Um, but we do have a ton of empathy for you and have worked with many of Maybe you personally, if you're listening, and 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 we'd like to work with you if we haven't, uh, if you find yourself in this position. So, uh, drawing on that experience is kind of how we'll we'll give this. So the scenario would be the following: uh, wife is married to her husband, and the husband has a history with pornography and masturbation, right? Which is pretty common among other forms of acting out. Um, he's been trying to get sober and is in the early process of recovery, but is struggling to really maintain that long term. And, and the scenario that we're giving specifically here is that he comes to you uh, and walks through the door, you know, after work, and he has all those telltale signs, right, that we all know. Um, maybe it's the puppy dog eyes. Maybe it's the can't make eye contact. That was a big one for me. I, like, could not look my wife in the eye when I had to disclose a relapse. She, like, always knew. Like within 10 seconds of walking the door that something was wrong. <laughs> I, was, I was a lot worse at, at, at uh, hiding that than I thought I was. But uh, so he walks in and you can just, you just know, right? You have that sinking pit, pit feeling in, in your stomach that just like, oh crap. And then he goes through and he, and he says, you know, here's, here's where I'm at, right? And this is what happened. Or maybe you found out about it all on your own and he didn't even disclose it to you. In either case, uh, this, can, this, this will work identically. Obviously, that news is going to be devastating no matter where you're at in the recovery process. Uh, relapses, slips, pornography, masturbation, these forms of acting out, these forms of betrayal are, will never be anyone's favorite fun fact ever. Unfortunately, they are sometimes a part of the process of recovery as we try to get a better handle on it. And maybe, maybe that spouse isn't even in a place of good recovery, but it is something that you spouses deal with all too frequently. And so if I'm a wife who's, finds myself in that position, I'm going to use this exact same process. The good news is, is what we're teaching you guys today works whether it's addiction related or not. And this is how it would look for me using those four steps uh, that I already already listed. And I'll just kind of give it to you in one, one big long uh, surrender. So God, as you know, my husband has just relapsed uh, with pornography and masturbation and I am feeling hurt. Um, I'm not sure where to go. Uh, I'm not sure how to manage and... I know that in the past, I, when these things have happened, when my, when my husband has made these choices, I have had a really hard time uh, with, with isolating, uh, not just from my husband for safety reasons, but from everybody. Um, I start to shut down. Um, it's difficult for me to concentrate on my kids or my job, and I have a hard time being able to function in other areas of life. I know that if I, if I hang on to these feelings, that those that that condition will just get progressively worse. That the more that I try to bury the anger or the frustration about his relapse or the sadness or the hurt, I'm going to only find myself in a deeper, darker place than before uh, if I try to take that on. 
my I know from my recovery process that my what my husband does with his recovery and whether he acts out or not is strictly his business. Um, but there's a part of me that is struggling to to not feel like I'm somehow responsible as his sexual partner to some degree. So I want to give these feelings of insecurity, God, uh, away to you. I can't handle them. They're toxic to me. They're hurtful to me. Uh, they don't do anything good for me. And they will actually end up disrupting not just the relationship in my marriage, which may need some safety or some boundaries right now, but it, but it was, it's going to disrupt that relationship with you and with, with others. And I don't want to go there. I've been there too many times in the past. And I know that I can't handle it, but I know that you can take it. So I want to give that to you. Help me to uh, give up these things that I cannot control and place them in your hands. Please take them from me and help me to uh, be able to focus on those other things in my life, to be able to be authentic in my other relationships, to acknowledge and have compassion with my own trauma while not pulling away from everyone that can be a support to me. Help me to uh, give those things to you that is, so I can continue to be me. And then if we're talking about a replace type of scenario, then I would conclude it with the, with the following, you know, help me to see this situation the way that you see it uh, w- through a, through a lens of love and a desire for my marriage to be better. Help me to recognize and hold my husband accountable in the way that, that need to be and help me to be able to give away any toxicity that accompanies that, that is not helpful. Um, help me to see this situation the way that you do and to have that, uh, again, that lens of accountability uh, and, and love, but also at the same time, uh, yeah, holding him accountable and, and, uh, and being able to stay me because I, I, I need to be able to stay me for my family, for myself, uh, for, for everyone around me. So that's how, that's how it would look if you were if you were talking about uh, more along the lines of seeking direction, Mark could probably do this better than I do, but uh, the seeking would just be a little bit different from that, right? Help me to, you know, help me to know what, how to best handle this situation, right? How, how, help me to have tact, help me to know what boundaries I need to hold, you know, give me an idea of, of, of uh, your will for me and for my marriage and for my husband in this situation and help me to see the situation from that perspective. So, yeah, and I would just, I would just add, you know, it's incredibly difficult when you're hit with that situation where your husband's relapsed and now you're feeling all these emotions, this emotional tidal wave washes over you. Yes. And it's so difficult to pull yourself together to practice surrender uh, because, uh, uh, you know, your survival fight or flight brain wants to do something entirely different than surrender. Absolutely. It's already got the whole thing mapped out, right? Yes. <clears throat> and I think the really critical thing for me to, to try and communicate uh, to spouses is you're not alone in this process. The thing is, it feels so lonely. Like it's, yes. you're just all alone in it and it's just all focused you know, on you. But that's why the surrender process is so amazing is that if you can pause and just stop for a moment and then connect, align with that higher power with God, you suddenly realize I'm not alone in this. I have yeah. resources that I can draw upon. And so I, I, I love how you, you presented that. So let's jump real quick um, from those two examples to one that we're all facing right now, just, you know, general world conditions and all the stresses that are around us. Yeah. And how yeah. does the surrender process, you know, apply there? I had a, I actually had an experience yesterday with regard to this surrender process. 
And uh, there, my brain was saying to me, Mark, check the news, check the news. You got to check the news. What's, what's been happening? What's been happening? Mm -hmm. And if, uh, if a lot of people out there are like me, you're checking the news like every 30 minutes, mm, right? Yeah. Or, you know, every, every hour on the hour, I've got to check the news. And the problem is, since I've been doing that, you know, for several weeks, it's, it's started to take its toll. Yeah. I've started yeah. emotionally drained, started to feel just a heaviness, even had a little bit of headache stuff going on. Totally. And it's, it's just like, I can't, I cannot keep doing this. And so yesterday when the little voice came, Hey, I wonder what's going on in the news. You, you need to go check it. And I recognized that, uh, you know, for what it was just my little survival, you know, brain doing its thing. Yeah. And I was like, wait a second, wait a second. If I keep giving in to this urge to go check the news, it's literally going to, it's going to start to have some really negative impact, not just, you know, having a little bit of a headache or feeling emotionally drained. Yeah. This could actually start to lead me down the track to uh, a slip or a relapse. If I, if I let it go for, a, you know, for quite a while, for sure. Um, I'm starting to get cranky with the people around me. I feel myself getting moody. I mean, all this stuff is starting to happen. And so when I recognized it, I acknowledged where it could lead if I let this keep continuing and then come surrender. It's like, okay, there's a part of me that just can't hardly resist going and looking at the news, but I'm not going to do that. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. give that away. So it's like, God, here, my urge to look at the news, I'm putting it on the sacrificial altar. It's yours. Mm -hmm. That option doesn't exist. Yes. So what do I need? Obviously, my brain is firing off and wanting to soothe itself by going and looking at the news so it can feel better. So I need something. What mm -hmm. do I need in this moment? And what came to me uh, in that moment when I'd given up the, you know, look at the news option was, hey, you had that great uh, audio book that you've been listening to lately. You need to put in your earbuds and get out, get out to your back door and go for a walk. Mm, I actually yeah. live, on a, live on a park. Like go for a walk. Just let it all go and just mm. listen to your book and relax and be at peace and go do that. And so after having practiced this over the years, we know that the most important part can be when that alternative comes, rather than letting your brain argue with it, with it and talk you out of it, I, act, I did it. It's like, you yeah. know what? Okay, here yeah. comes the earbuds. Feet, carry me out the door. We're going mm -hmm. for a walk. <laughs> with the brain screaming and kicking the whole way. No, we got to check the news. <laughs> <laughs> And I went out for a walk and, and uh, had a really peaceful experience. And, and the cool part is, here's what you'll notice about surrender. When you do it once, you'll find that it's easier the next time. So that little voice after my walk a while later came back and said, hey, you could check the news right now. And because I had surrendered it earlier and gone out and gotten some renewal and some recharging, it was easier for me the next time it came to just dismiss it. Yeah. Actually, I really didn't have to go through some big surrender process. It was like, nah, I'm, we're not going to check the news. I got better things to do. So you gain some momentum in this surrender process. It's kind of like this success breeds success. One victory then makes the next one easier for you. So yeah, that was the experience I had. No, you're, you're, I, I love what you're saying. And it brings up an important point. You know, oftentimes, one of the reasons why we 
deep down, even when we feel like we 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 want to give a trigger away or or a situation right that we can't control, it's human nature to want to control, right? We're <laughs> kind of we're kind of wired that way, and addicts are kind of the king of that. Um, we we want to bend the situation to our will, and there's a lot of fear that comes from turning that over, right? Because because if I'm going to surrender something to a higher power or to God, as I understand him, then I've got to be working on that, actively nurturing that relationship to some degree and working on and building that, whatever that looks like for me, right? Be that God or something different. Um, but when you're looking at these real world scenarios, I think it's, and I, I know that with a lot of the spouses, Mark, that you and I work with, this is common too. Sometimes the, the way that we try to find safety is in all the details, Right finding out every little bit of information that we can. But the problem is, is that there are, and for some of those questions, there simply aren't answers for various reasons. In the case of, of what you're talking about right now, you turn on the news and you can see the exact same event and there's like six different political and socioeconomic takes on everything from statistics and numbers to everything else. And so uh, in a world where you're getting constantly conflicting information, it becomes especially apparent that information will information is power. Knowledge is power, and it's important to, for all of us to be aware. You know, generally speaking, what what craziness is going on in the world today with this coronavirus and the economy and everything else that's going on. But at the same time, there always has to be that recognition that 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 will only take you to a certain level of safety. At the end of the day, where the real safety and serenity that I call it, that you and I call it, uh, where that really comes from is from this recognition of, you know, I know that I can't, but God can. And today I'm going to choose to let him. Yeah. Right? And That's so, what we talked about last week. You go from me to we. Yep. If it all depends on me, then in my brain's way, that's, that's going to lead to a certain outcome every time. But if I can shift out of that me to we, mm-hmm. then it adds power that I, do, I, I didn't have. It, it magnifies and multiplies me in ways that aren't possible if I'm by myself. Yeah. So if we, we're, we're, we're running up on our, our commitment to keep this under 30 minutes. So if we're going to talk about an assignment, uh, what you and I talked about was sometimes it can be really hard in the moment to go into the surrender process when your emotions are overwhelming you and your brain's trying to take over. One of the practical ways we've seen to do this is when you feel these kinds of triggers or urges or emotions washing over you, just stop and journal this process out. Write it down. What am I, what am I feeling? Right? Go through recognition and acknowledgement, as we've described. Go uh-huh. through the surrender process and the replacement. Do it in writing. Yeah. That way you can stop. You can consider. You, you can get your thinking uh, in a more present place. And journaling it out is, is a really helpful way to do that. Yeah. So for the first two or three or four or five times that you want to do the surrender process, write it and carefully write it through. And then what you'll find is the more you do that in the writing, you'll find that you'll find yourself doing it in the moment when you face yes. one of the situations because you've practiced it in the journaling. Absolutely. So that's the assignment. Awesome. I love it. And, and you know, the writing, we've talked about writing many times before. Um, you're accessing a different part of your brain. Uh, neurologically when you write instead of just talking. I've also found that for me, I, my, my thoughts tend to be much more or less, much less scatterbrained and much more organized uh, when, I, when I lay it out in kind of writing form, uh, which, which like Mark, you're saying, you know, is a huge, 
a huge tool in, in terms of developing this to the point where it, it starts to become automatic, starts to become subconscious, starts to be uh, something that you're having to, to do less, you know, deliberately and, and, and more so uh, kind of with that automatic response. So yeah. I think I think we did it. We keep it under. I think we did. Pretty close. Pretty dang close. All right, everybody. All right, Happy be safe. Surrendering and journaling. We'll talk Absolutely. to you next week. Bye bye. That's all for today. Thanks for joining us. And remember, the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety; it's connection. Together, we can do the impossible. To learn more about Mark and Steve, and to listen to more podcast episodes, visit us at pbscpodcast.com. Everything expressed on the PBSC podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.